Thanks, Chaz. I, I'm believing right now that you said all those things from the bottom of your heart and not because I'm your boss. Uh, tonight, I want to talk to you uh, about Sabbath rest. Uh, so that's going to be the, the topic tonight. Um, I see a, a few people wearing flannel alongside with me. Um, so thanks for that. We are, we are willing the cooler temperatures of fall into existence. I figure if I just keep wearing it, eventually it's going to become true. And it's, it's going to feel like fall outside. Um, so let me, let me pray and we'll get started. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I pray that every day we would live in the light of your love. Uh, with every breath that we take, that we would be mindful of your faithfulness to us. That in every circumstance, every situation, that we would be thankful. And that we would learn your way, uh, your rhythms of rest. I pray that you would help us tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, so, uh, there's a statement that Pastor Jacobs made uh, at least once, maybe a, a couple times, and he's talked about, I'm actually going to bring this up here if that's okay. He's actually talked about, uh, he's thrown this stat out there that uh, for the first time in a hundred years, uh, we, are, we are seeing the, the life expectancy in the U.S. decline at a rate that we haven't seen in 100 years. We've gone three consecutive years uh, with the life expectancy in the U.S. declining. Um, the last time we saw the life expectancy declining in this way was whenever, uh, it was during the time era that World War I and the Spanish influenza were both happening. Um, that's significant, okay? So I don't, don't rush past that. That's, that's significant. And some of, the, some of the things they tell us about, uh, you know, the things that are increasingly or increasing uh, are drug overdoses and uh, uh, suicides. Drug overdoses and suicides are increasing significantly and are attributing to why our life expectancy is decreasing. And we're, seeing, uh, we're seeing depression, anxiety, suicide, all of these different things, we're seeing them uh, run rampant. And it's not... Christians don't seem to be uh, immune to this either. Um, they are experiencing challenges along these same uh, along these same lines, and uh, just within the past ten days, uh, many of you may have seen, but there was a, a pastor in in California um, of a of a fairly large church um, that was an advocate for mental health, that was a father of two children that killed himself took his own life. Before you rush to the, uh, to the problem solving or trying to, uh, 
to, to cope with hearing that by saying what's wrong with him. Uh, what would lead, just let that, feel that for a minute. Someone who is leading a church, who is an advocate for mental health, who was a husband and a father of two young children, came to the place to where the only option seemed to be to end his life. We're, we're facing significant issues in our society where the, the things that lead to that type of decision, the hopelessness, the despair, the depression, the anxiety, uh, they're, they're out of control. And there are certainly many things that can contribute to, uh, to you, a person experiencing some of those things. Uh, tonight I want to speak about something that I believe um, plays a part in, in restoring health and wholeness to people. Um, a few months ago, I was, uh, I was, it was Jubilee, and uh, our oldest son, Asher, wasn't feeling very good that night. Uh, this was either the, the second to last night or the last night. And by then, if you have small kids, Jubilee, uh, services start at 7, and their bedtime is 7, our kids' bedtime is 7.30, uh, well, ideally, it's 7:30. We we start the we start the battle at 7:30. Uh, it just I don't know how every night it comes as a surprise that they have to go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't get it. But anyway, um, so it's you know I'm he's not feeling good. He's running a fever and all that stuff. And so I'm carrying him out to the car because I think he's asleep. Uh, but it turns out he was messing with me. Uh, he was faking it. Anyone remember as like being a kid and you, you were just too tired to walk inside yourself so you faked being asleep so your parents would carry you? Uh, yeah, so anyone still do that? Just hope that somebody in the car is going to carry you in? I love it. Uh, so, so I'm carrying him because I think he's asleep. Well, turns out about halfway through he wakes up and uh, he looks at me and he's like, Daddy, thanks for carrying me. You're a really good daddy. And I said, yeah, sure thing, bud. I'm sorry you don't feel well. Uh, and so I start praying for him. And so I just start speaking life over his body and healing and wholeness. And I start rebuking the fever and the sickness. And I'm just going, I'm just going for it. And once I'm done, he goes, uh, he goes I, I, know what, I know what's wrong with me. And I said, awesome breakthrough. Like, tell me word of knowledge so I can go for it, so I can rebuke this thing. And he looks at me and he said, I'm tired. I think sometimes we ask God to heal us of things that are uh, symptoms. We're, we're asking and we're believing for God to heal us of things that are actually symptoms of us violating the Sabbath. So we're, we're asking and we're believing for God to, to take this anxiety, this depression, these things that we're dealing with, we're asking him to heal us and restore us, and we even 
you know, we, we may have these moments, these spurts of, of breakthrough where we feel whole and we feel healed. But if there's a, if there's a root cause at work and, and it's the fact that you're not resting and that you're not keeping the rhythm of rest in your life and you keep violating that, you, it, yeah, there, there are multiple examples of, of how this plays out. But bottom line is, it's foolish. It's foolish. I want to, we'll, we'll go to Exodus 20 here in a little bit. Actually, we'll just go there now. Exodus 20. Oh, it's going to be up here. Praise God. So this is, I want to say the nine commandments, uh, but I'm not going to do that because that would probably be a little too much for now. So I'm just going to go with the Ten Commandments. Uh, This is where the Ten Commandments are. Um, And we get to the Fourth Commandment, and it says this. It says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, nor should your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is with you or who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in it, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. How many of you would agree with me that murder is wrong? Okay. How many of you would agree with me that lying is wrong? Okay, that, uh, that adultery is wrong. You've caught on. You guys are smart. They're just keeping their hand up in the back. Uh, how many of you know that you should honor your father and mother? Um, how many of you know that you shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain? All of these things are wrong. You shouldn't worship idols. And the list goes on and on. But why do we think it's okay to violate this. We may know about the Ten Commandments, but we live as if there's only nine. We totally disregard, ignore, and violate the Sabbath. And you may be saying to yourself right now, well, brother, that's just, that's, that's the law. That's the law. We're not under the law. Uh, you didn't have that same opposition whenever I threw out that we shouldn't kill one another. <laughs> so at that point, it, it, may be, it may be legitimate. You may honestly have thought through this, but it may also be a defense mechanism for you coming to an understanding of you've missed something. Or there needs to be an adjustment made in your life. So just... Before you throw stuff at me, hear me out. Jesus, so I I will hit on the fact that this is in the law. Um, Jesus summed up all of the law and the prophets into two things. Love God and love people. 
That's what the aim is in this. The objective, the, the heart behind it, is to arrive at loving, uh, setting a day aside, ceasing from work, so that you can be present to the people around you and so that you can be more present to God. In uh, Exodus 2, or sorry, not Exodus 2, Genesis 2. Uh, in Genesis 2, everything that uh, in the Ten Commandments it references uh, the Sabbath day originating here in Genesis 2. And God, this is at the end of, of creation, and God has created the world um, and everything in it. And at the end, we have this. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is, this is where we find this idea of the Sabbath. Is it originates in, in Genesis 2. We see it again in the Ten Commandments, and we'll see it again in a, another spot here in a little bit. But what I want you to see and why I, I referenced here is because this is... Uh, this is something that God has going on in the midst of a perfect world. In the midst of a perfect creation, you see this aspect of rest. And if God, the one who is all-powerful, sees it to be important to rest, why don't we? An interesting note there, uh, and we won't get into this, but uh, that day never ended, if you notice. Uh, the day of rest never had a conclusion. Um, so the, the aim of the Sabbath, the, the objective, why, why I think it's important for us to take it seriously, I mean, outside of the fact that God commanded it, um, thanks, Pastor Lee, uh, is, is this, that uh, the rhythm of our week, uh, the rhythm of our life, should mirror the rhythm of God's good and perfect creation. Six days, God labored. He, he, uh, he created. He gave everything he had into something. And then on the seventh day, he rested. I think it's important for us to, uh, to pay attention to that and to also now mirror our lives in that same way. The Sabbath is a day to cease from our labor, cease from our work, and delight ourselves in the Lord. Cease from labor and delight ourselves in the Lord. I think one of the reservations we have with the Sabbath is that uh, that we see it as more of a a rule to follow than a gift to receive. I, I want to I want to share something uh, and, uh, part of Scripture tonight that that illustrates that the heart of the Sabbath isn't 
a, a hard-nosed rule from God to keep uh, just because he likes making up rules. Uh, but it's actually a, a gift from the Lord. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to dive into that. So uh, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 16. This again also is before the introduction of the law. This is the first, what, what's going on here is the first uh, corporate uh, ob- observance of Sabbath. Um, and this is where it all begins. So uh, Exodus starting in verse 22. So uh, lead up to this. What's interesting is, Tate, where you were over here. Where'd you go, Tate? Yeah, there you are. So uh, Tate and Worship opened up with talking about the difference between groaning and complaining, which was, re- that was great. Um, and, and so lead up, backstory to what we're going to be reading here. Uh, God has delivered the nation of Israel from the land of Egypt and from slavery, and now they're in the wilderness and this is going to come as a total shock to you because, uh, because people don't do this at all. Um, so you're going to be totally taken off guard by this. Uh, but what they were doing is they were actually complaining in chapter 16. Um, people don't do that. You don't do that. I know you don't. Um, you don't complain or, or grumble. Um, but they're actually they're, they're complaining and they're, they're saying, man, back in Egypt we ate better than we do out here in the wilderness. And there's just so, there's so much there. But, um, but God says, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to provide you food. Every day you're going to wake up and there's going to be provision for you. Okay, but here's the deal. On the sixth day, I'm going to give you double the amount that you need so that on, on well, yeah, on the seventh day, you can rest. You can, you can uh, it'll be a Sabbath to you. You can rest. I'm going to give it twice. I'm, I'm going to give you enough so that you can, so that you can rest. Um, because it's, it's, yeah, we'll get there. Uh, verse 22. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two armors each. I probably should have looked up what that is. I'm sure someone in the crowd knows. Anyway, uh, and when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses... He said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will, bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them. And it didn't stink, praise God, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out together, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you the bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of this place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Okay, I want to highlight uh, a few things. We're just going to kind of wonder through through Exodus 16. Um, I'm okay with wondering. I don't know about you. I actually kind of prefer it, honestly. Um, uh, In the words of Tolkien... All who wonder are not lost. 
so don't worry. We're, we're not going to get lost. We're just going to kind of wonder. And then at the end, we'll wrap it up and tie a nice little bow on it. Um, so I want to go to uh, verse 23. Uh, and I'm going to highlight just a, a few things from this. Again, remember, this is, this is the first Sabbath. Um, they, they've taken this theme, and I hope you see that this, this theme of Sabbath didn't originate with the law. This theme of Sabbath originated in creation. Um, and so here it is again showing up before the law. And uh, the first thing I want to highlight is uh, verse 20. Can we, uh, sorry, uh, if you go to the slide that just has um, to the Lord. It'll come up. So first thing I want to highlight is in verse 23, you find this statement. It will be a, a day of rest to the Lord. To the Lord. Okay, if I asked how many of you um, in some form or another, like, observe the Sabbath, this, this principle of the, of the Sabbath, this principle of, of God working into his creation, this rhythm of rest, um, if I asked how many of you observe it, um, uh, odds are not many, um, just based on conversation that I've had with other believers. Um, and some of you, your response may be, well, you know, like, we, we kind of do it, uh, like, we, we take a day to, to kind of rest, but it's, it's not really intentional, it's kind of like a, a family day. Um, and I just want to highlight here the, the difference that this is a day to the Lord. Now, that is robust, and it can mean a lot of things. It doesn't mean that you just have to sit and pray all day long. But there is a sense of intentionality here, uh, that I'm intentionally resting on this day, and it is for the Lord. Like, my rest is to the Lord, and I get to, uh, I get to do this with family, and I get to do this with friends, but the purpose is, this is to the Lord. Uh, so there's a sense of intentionality behind it. Um, so I, I think that that's important. I think there's also an important difference between, uh, this comes with the intention, intentionality, uh, but there's a difference between resting and crashing. Okay? I think a lot of us know how to crash but we don't know how to rest. Um, because typically, crash doesn't happen on a rhythm. Uh, crash, you, you have, I have, limits. We have limits. Um, when I was young, grr, um, I didn't believe that. I thought I could go, just go nonstop. And I remember my, my dad telling me at one point, uh, son, you're burning the candle at both ends. And I thought, in a typical 20-year-old male fashion, I thought, yeah, right. Like, th- that's a rule, but I don't, I'm the exception like, to that rule. Um, the, the arrogance of young men is, is comical. But, um, but we, we have limits, and... Uh, Like, you will, Sabbath will come to you one way or another. Uh, 
rest will come to you one way or another. Um, it can be in rhythm and it can be healthy, uh, or you can crash. Um, and what I mean by crash is like you just you go, you go, you go, you go, you go, and then you're you are a vegetable for for a week. Um, I mean you're you're totally fried. Um, and we see the same concept uh, at the at the end of Second Chronicles. Um, I didn't. This isn't in the notes or anything, but at the end of Second Chronicles, uh, you, you see this interesting thing where uh, the uh, the nation of Israel is is taken into exile. And what's crazy, I, I want to read it to you. Um, look at this. We're using a hard copy Bible tonight. Praise God. Any hard copy Bible people out there? Good. Uh, said this in, in verse uh, th- chapter 36, verse 20. He took into exile in Babylon those who had escaped from the sword, and they became servants to him and to his sons until the establishment of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days that it lay desolate it kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. What happened here was, was God had told them, every seven years, let the land rest. Uh, they didn't do that. And so what ended up happening is they went into exile, according to the scripture, so that the land could have its Sabbath. After, by the way, that's 490 years. Uh, after you've done something for 490 years, you probably think you're getting away with it. Um, but you're, you're going against the grain of God's creation. And, and that's, again, with the, the law. There is, the, the law doesn't save us. So if, if, if observing the Sabbath, if keeping the Sabbath, that, that principle, if you're hung up on it because of it, it's in the Ten Commandments, doing it doesn't make you any more righteous. Uh, it doesn't save you. It doesn't make God uh, uh, accept you. Uh, Jesus took care of all of that, and there's tons of great teaching in this house on that, so I'm not going to spend any more time on it. Um, but what you do need to know is that when you, live, uh, when you live congruent with the commands of God, there's a blessing. And grace empowers us to do that. So you will... Get your sap, like rest will come to you one way or another. Uh, and and we're, we're designed to, to be in a rhythm of rest, not a habit of crashing. Because uh, that's, that's not healthy. Uh, the next thing I want to go to is uh, verse 25. Okay. Here we go. Verse 25. It said, If you go out and you look on the seventh day, for the provision that I've given you every other day, you will not find it. You will not find it. Because I've, I've given you the provision that you need for six days, but if you go out there on the seventh day, you're going to be outside of, uh, of my will and outside of my, my provision. So if you go out there... You're not going to find it. 
I think that um, this kind of goes back to Genesis 1 through 3 where we're given this choice of uh, you can either do it God's way or you can do it your way. Uh, I, I give you these, these options. Um, you can either uh, discern good and evil on what I tell you good and evil is or you can try to seize autonomy from God and try to define good and evil on your own terms. Um, and that's what man ended up doing, and it brought us into this downward spiral. Uh, like, you can, you can ignore the Sabbath, uh, and you, you can take your provision into your own hands, but just know that you're going to be outside of God's. Like, you, you see people that disregard the Sabbath, disregard God altogether, and they're making it, like, they, a lot of them, you know, have more money in the bank than I do, um, and they're doing all right. But they're doing it their way. They're doing it against the grain that God intended in his design of creation. And when you, I mean, kind of the same principle of, with tithing. Like, it's, it's better, I, I believe, it's better for me to live off of 90% under the blessing of the Lord than 100% outside of it. Uh, the same with our time. I think it's better for us to live six, to, to labor six days out of the week under the blessing of the Lord and we'll be more fruitful than if we labor seven days outside of it. Uh, a, a couple stories in, in this regard. You have uh, the restaurant that serves God's chicken, um, obviously Chick-fil-A. Uh, Lord, we just agree right now that Chick-fil-A will come to Durant. Amen. Man, as a parent, I really, I want that. This as a person, as a human, I, I want that fried chicken. Okay. Uh, but you see, Chick-fil-A, okay, uh, they, they're closed on, on Sundays. Um, Sundays are the most profitable days for, uh, for fast food, or there's a technical term for, for that, a quick service restaurant or something like that. Fast food. Um, Sundays is the most profitable day for fast food restaurants. Um, the average fast food store, like individual store, uh, it profits a million dollars a year on average, uh, most of whom are open uh, seven days a week, several of whom are open uh, 24-7, 24 hours a night or a day. Um, Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays, the most profitable day, their average earnings per store are $5 million. Okay? There's a, a friend of mine. Um, I'll just... She didn't say I couldn't say her name. So uh, Lisa Carrillo, Mark Carrillo, Pastor Mark Carrillo uh, out of Sherman. Uh, his wife, she is uh, uh, a realtor. And she said whenever God started talking to her about observing the Sabbath, finding a rhythm of rest... Um, Whenever she made that decision to do it, uh, and for people in that industry, weekends are very popular because people are off work and that's when you're helping them find a home. Uh, she said she, uh, she drew a line in the sand and she uh, kept Sabbath on Sunday. And when she made that decision, the next year was her most profitable year she's ever had. Okay? And she, she worked 52 days less than she did. 52 of what can be some of the, the most profitable days. 
Um, so there's, there's something to this, like God's provision, like when you actually align yourself up to the will of God, he provides for you. Uh, and, and it's something to say, and I, I get it, this was honestly one of the hardest things for me in my Christian walk, was to, was to hand over the job of providing for my family and myself to the Lord. Um, like, I, I know that that's, that's part of, that's, like, I partner with God in that, but whenever I let him take the reins, that was terrifying. And one of, one of the, the last, like, probably the last area of my life that I had to fully surrender to God. It took me a, a while. Um, because I wanted to, I wanted to control uh, my own destiny. I wanted to control um, the way that I went. Um, and wouldn't you know it, when you give it over to God, it's actually better than when you have it. Shocker. Um, so you can go out, but he tells them, you won't find it. You won't find it. Verse 27. On the seventh day, some went out, but found none. Okay. So, you just, these are the same people that walked through the sea that split so that they could be delivered, okay? And so God comes and tells them, hey, I'm going to give you twice as much on the sixth day so that you don't have to go out on the seventh day. Uh, But yet, some still go out. And at the surface level, it's like, you, you may just write that off as dumb. Like, they're just, they just don't get it. Like, they're, maybe they're just too dumb to get it. Um, but I think there's something deeper at work here. And that's this, that they weren't satisfied with enough. If God gave you enough, would you be okay with it? Now, when you hear the word enough, this is a good test. Uh, because whenever I hear the word enough, I think just barely enough. Enough is enough. Like it's not more than, it's not less than. Enough is enough. And God's resources, his grace is inexhaustible. You're never going to come to a place to where God isn't enough, that your needs are actually too much for him. So do you actually believe that enough is enough? Or even if you were given enough, would you still want more? Because that's what's going on here. Although they had enough, enough wasn't enough to them. They wanted more. The way that we view, the way that we, we understand the concept of enough is very important. Um, because when we come to verses like Second Corinthians 12, and the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, if you hear sufficient as just enough, like just barely enough, just bar- like you're, you're just... You barely made it in. You're bar- we're scraping the bottom of the barrel here to help you out. Uh, that totally changes the way that you interpret that. In the way that that actually, 
not just, it's one thing on how you actually interpret it. It's another thing on how it actually plays out in your life, which is the more important thing. Because if you read that and your understanding of enough is like, uh, enough to God is, is inexhaustible. Um, that what, in whatever situation I'm in, I will have enough and I can quench my, my thirst, my greed for always wanting more. Then you can read it properly and know that, that his grace isn't just barely enough. It's enough. It's enough. And we're, I, I'm done with that part. Not done. To, you guys thought you were getting off the hook. Not yet. <laughs> nice try. Uh, that's a whole message in and of itself. Um, let's go on to the next one. The Lord has given you the Sabbath. So heading into Exodus 16, I said uh, one of our hesitations. Did I actually cover that last one? I did, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, also, can we go back to 27 real quick? Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, uh, the Ten Commandments are listed again in that chapter. But something is added to the commandment on keeping the Sabbath. By the way, it's the longest of all the commandments, whatever that means to you. Um, but something's different. He adds something different in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And he adds that, remember, because he's talking about keeping the Sabbath, not working. He said, remember that you were once slaves, but I've called you out. See, it's the slave, contextually, it was the slave who never got a break from work. Not, not royalty. Um, and you and I are no longer slaves, but we have been adopted into the family of God to whom we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. So we can, like, so we don't have to be a slave to, to, well, to toil. Because it, at that point, it's no longer labor. It's toil. Um, and labor and toil aren't the same thing. Um, that's another thing. Sorry. 29. Um, toil wasn't introduced until after the fall. Uh, God by the name of Abraham Joshua Heschel says this, that labor is a gift of God. Toil is the misery of man. Now let that sink in. Uh, verse 29. The Lord has given you the Sabbath. You know, at the beginning of this, I said that uh, one of our reservations with the Sabbath is that we see it as more of a, a rule to follow than a gift to receive. The Lord has given us the gift of the Sabbath. This, this day to which he says, because you realize that he could have made a six-day week Could have made a six-day week, but he didn't. Why? Because just as there's, not, there's night and there's day, there's that, that daily rhythm of rest, just as there are seasons. There's, there's spring and there's winter. There's also this weekly rhythm of rest that apparently God thinks is important and probably designed us to live in that rhythm. Um, so... It's a gift. It's a gift. So now we get on to the practicals. Because for all the pragmatists in the crowd, that's what you've been wanting. So let me go through some practicals on, on the Sabbath. 
Um, start somewhere, okay? Whenever God started talking to me about the importance of the Sabbath, I, I literally did not have a half day available. And as I'm like trying to go through to find out like, okay, God, why? Like, I, I need to, this is important, but I just can't find the time. It's like, well, why do you think I'm emphasizing it to you? Yeah, bonehead. So maybe where you're at right now, maybe because it that's okay. Let me also throw the caveat. It's not because um, I was the expectations and the demands on me set forth by my employers here uh, were caused me to do that. So let me clarify that. Um, maybe because of your work schedule and your your you're working, you're trying to make ends meet. Maybe you, you work seven days a week. Um, and maybe you hear this and you think, like, I am, I am doomed to violate God's will for the rest of my life. What I would encourage you to do is just start somewhere. Start somewhere. Find, find a few, start, if you only have a few hours, start with a consistent few hours. Um, if you have a half day, Start with a consistent half-day rhythm. Ideally, it's full day. From evening, from sunset to sunset. Uh, because that's how uh, days were, like a day in, uh, in the, the Hebrew concept was day started with sunset, because that's how creation went. Um, so from sunset to sunset, you start with as the sun goes down, uh, it, it may be, it's going to be really hard. It may be. It was for me. It may be really hard at first, but you'll get to the point to where you actually crave it, um, to where it's something that you look forward to. Um, because as the sun goes down, you know that, uh, that striving, that, that labor, that worry, um, all of these things go down with the sun. Um, and, uh, yeah, so start somewhere. Start somewhere. Uh, things to avoid, which I think is more important than, and more specific than the things that you do, um, but the things you avoid. Work. Whatever that is for you, I don't, I don't answer emails on my Sabbath. Um, I don't think about work, which was the hardest thing for me. Like, my first attempt at Sabbath was, was a an half day. My first attempt, um, before I got 15 minutes down the road, I had three phone calls, and, uh, and I was already thinking about work. And I realized what I did with my downtime was that I just thought strategically. I always felt like I was behind, and so whenever I actually didn't have anything to do, I'm like, good, now I can finally catch up on all of the mental work that needs to be done on how we can get ahead and um, what we need to do next. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I realized that even whenever I wasn't working, I wasn't resting. Uh, so things to avoid, work, whatever that, that is for you, um, cease from it. And again, this isn't like... I hope you heard that there is a, a heart behind this and a principle behind it 
uh, that God set forth that I think is important to us. But what we have to understand is that we are not slaves to the Sabbath either. Okay? Uh, in, in Mark chapter 2, Jesus mentioned this. He said that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He said that I'm Jesus, he said, and the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Okay? So just be aware of that. Um, so here's, here's the one that's, that's going to sting the most. Um, so here it goes. But um, this is something, anyway, I'm just going to throw it out there. But something to avoid, commerce. And the reason why that's so dangerous for me to say is because uh, one of the primary ways that you and I are formed and view the world through is through the lens of consumerism. So if we go a day out of the week without consuming, we feel like everything is, like all, all light has left the world. Um, and if you feel that way, that's probably a good indicator that you need a break from it. Um, that you need to have a day that doesn't consist of buying or selling anything. Um, another thing to avoid, worry. You're not, like, on this day, you can't do anything, so why worry about doing anything? That's what I wrote, like, in, in mine, I felt like I was always, uh, part of the stress was, well, I'm behind, I'm behind, I'm behind, and I got to do, do all that stuff. Well, when you have a day that you realize, like, this is a day to enjoy, not a day to use, that shifted something in me. And I realized just how much of my life, the th- the things which is in, yeah, the, the things in my life, how much of it was for the sake of just purely utilitarian, just, just for the sake of using versus enjoying. I, I realized that whenever I started keeping the Sabbath and started engaging in that rhythm of rest, that I didn't intentionally enjoy very much. And so I wonder why I was uneasy, you know? I wonder why life at times felt too dull. Uh, Well, I wasn't enjoying it. Um, Because I was treating life more like a game to win or a problem to solve than a gift to enjoy, Um, which is is what life is. It's a gift to enjoy. Uh, So things to do. Things to do. Well, whatever you enjoy. Um, it's about ceasing from work, delighting yourself in the Lord. And again, delighting yourself in the Lord doesn't necessarily mean that you have to pray and worship all day long. If you enjoy that, go for it. I think worship is an important aspect of what you, what you would do on a Sabbath. Um, but it could include things like going fishing. Um, yeah, I got some amens. Praise God. Uh, fishing, uh, going to a park, um, reading a book, taking a nap. Can I get an amen on taking a nap? Also, I should say this, that taking, ceasing from work, if you have small children, you don't get to take a break from that. Like, you don't get to just, like, like duct tape your kids to the wall. Um, yeah, that'd be, that anyway. Take a nap. If you're married, have sex. 
go outside. If you don't like outside, stay inside, okay? Uh, just one word of caution on things to enjoy are uh, if, if, you, if you spend your Sabbath just vegging on screens. I don't think that that's healthy. Uh, so I would encourage, because part of it is actually you're, you're ceasing from work so that you can not only be more present to the Lord, but more present to the people around you. Um, and sitting in the same room, but just both of you not saying a word, but just being on your own devices, uh, that, that's not really what we're after here. Um, so I want to conclude with the implications. What's possible if we really take this seriously uh, and, and we, we implement some of these things into our lives? Last week, which was amazing, if you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, it's on the podcast, check it out. Um, but last week, uh, by the way, in the words of Pastor Lee, I had to backslide to go to sleep last week. Uh, Wednesday night, like I, I was so fired up, I could not go to sleep. Uh, but the, one of the main points of the message was stop protecting your yard so you can go out and take the land. Okay? If we want to be people who go out and take the land, we have to know how to be people who know how to rest well. Okay? Because the same one who sends us out is the same one who says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Okay? So it's not two different things. It's, it's the same thing. But just like if you want to physically get stronger, you have to implement rest. Otherwise, it's, it's not going to happen. Um, uh, clearly, I know so much about, about building muscle. Uh, so so uh, go ahead and stand up. Go ahead and stand up. We're going to read this passage from Isaiah to conclude. And... This is a, I, I didn't, I'm not going to read it all. Uh, I would encourage you to read it. I, I love it. I love this passage in the message translation specifically. Uh, it's very powerful. And I always had a hard time, like when I would read it or preach on it, I would exclude the last part that talks about Sabbath because I just didn't see how it connected. I'm like, here we are talking about freeing the oppressed and rebuilding cities and all of this amazing stuff. And then at the end, it talks about Sabbath. Like that's not... Like there's so much energy and then it just goes into Sabbath and I, it, didn't click to, it didn't click for me um, until I realized that the reason that you're healthy enough and strong enough to go out and do those things is because you know how to find those rhythms of rest. So we're going to conclude with this. What's possible if we take this seriously? Uh, Isaiah 58. This is the kind of fast day I'm after, to break the chains of injustice, to get rid of exploitation in the workplace, free the oppressed, cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave the way the God of glory will secure your passage. Then when you pray, God will answer. You'll, you'll call out for help and I'll say, here I am. If you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims, quit gossiping about other people's sins, if you're generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places. 
firm muscles, strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew, rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. If you watch your step on the Sabbath and don't use my holy day for personal advantage, if you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, God's holy day is a celebration. If you honor it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. Oh, I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestor, Jacob. Yes, God says so. That's what's possible. That's what's possible. If, if you are, uh, if, if that spoke to you and you, you, you are going to, mit, going to commit to do something, uh, I just want you to, to raise your hands and we're going to pray and we're going to end. Uh, God, you have call, called us to rebuild ruins. That we would be known as those who can fix anything. That we would restore cities. That, that this city, Durant, Oklahoma, that there would be no problem that we don't have a solution for. Because there's no problem that heaven doesn't have a solution for. That we would be the kind of people that free the oppressed. That we see freedom take place. Freedom from addiction. That people who are, uh, who are worn out and they're tired and they're, they're running to uh, drugs or alcohol and these different things to try to satisfy their needs and their desires. God, I, I pray that your holy rest would come upon them. Uh, that they would find rest in Jesus, that they would ha- cease from all striving. And God, that we would be known as people who, who work hard, but know how to have healthy rhythms of rest. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Awesome.